will be, right? What a day that will be when we are with our Savior. Satan is vanquished and my Jesus is king. But until then, we can abide in him, can't we?
on you for everything, Lord. From the moment we wake up, Lord, till we go to sleep, teach us to depend upon you, Lord. Hallelujah. You're so good to us, Father. We
God been good to any of you this morning? Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise as our pastor comes. You're so good to us, Lord. We thank you. There are songs we sing to God, and there are other songs that we sing that are declaration songs, and that is truly a declaration song, talking and singing about the goodness of God. Good morning. God is good, and he, he, is, he is good all the time. I love that. We used to, I remember when that started, man, it was, uh, I am get, I re, I'm getting old. Uh, turn to Matthew 5. You know, when you, <laughs> when you preach through the Bible, you want to just like skip some stuff. Uh, but unlike Thomas Jefferson, I can't rip pages out. This is not the Thomas and Jefferson church. We preach the whole thing. So starting in verse 10, Jesus said this of Matthew 5. You guys there? Give you time to get there. Uh, It says this, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Not because you're a jerk at work. Okay. Uh, A lot of people are jerks at work and feel like, oh, they're doing that because of Jesus. They're probably just doing it because you're ornery. You know what I mean? Or something. So all persecution that you're receiving isn't because of Jesus. Let me proclaim that very clear. Uh, don't blame you being bad at work on Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of, just remember the three words, because of me. Uh, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Persecute. Excuse me, I didn't read that right. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, Jesus, thank you this morning that your love is here. Never come in this church for my ninth time that I haven't felt love from the people And love from you because you're in this place. And when people walk in this place, we sent you and I'm thankful that we sent you, God. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're in a part of what we do and that been to many churches when I felt like I left that they did everything right. But Jesus wasn't there. Thank you that you're here and you're in our midst. Because the Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. And you are here. And we love you. Bless your word. May God it be applicable. May we take it and use it this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So I titled this message, Persecuted, Slandered, and Accused. Be happy. Because that's what Jesus is saying. Have you ever been insulted for being a Christian? Because we'll get to assaulted in a minute. But have you ever been insulted for being a Christian? This, uh, it's so funny, Bev, you were talking about being in your 20s. And uh, 
you know, in that choir. And I was thinking, I was 14. I was thinking about what you were saying. And I was 14. And I accepted Christ Sunday night. And I guess God wanted to baptize me quick. Because I was calling this girl, Brendan. We talk. So in my town, I was poor. So in our little town, we had party lines. I don't know. Tyler, I know you know what this is. I'm just kidding. No, but I'm saying they have party lines. So you get on the phone and somebody else is online. We have three or four in our town on the line. So you can, boy, you can hear the gossip quick in that town. Anyway, only 180 people. So you knew it all. But uh, so we're on the party line. And every Sunday night I had to wait for, because I knew that Kathy Howard, God bless, hi Kathy. But I knew she'd be on the line talking to whoever. The town gossip was on a roll. So I have to wait till she get off. I have to call before Brenda Mom made her go to bed, so we call and talk every Sunday night. Well, Sunday night, I was invited to a church, and I heard the gospel for the very first time, and I heard this man say, you're going to hell, and I went, I went home and told my mom, man, this guy tells me I'm going to hell, it's pretty, and she said, what did he say to you, and I said, he's just a preacher, so we were talking about those choice words that we use not in the pulpit, so I remember that night, and the reason I'm going through a lot of my life, I want you to know for the first few months where I'm coming from as a, as a pastor because I didn't grow up in the church. I wasn't grandfathered in. I came in like everybody should come in, like a miracle. Jesus saved me. He brought me, and he taught me. I, I remember the first time I ever read the book of Concordance, and I thought, this doesn't read very well. <laughs> and I, I, I'm telling you, nobody taught me the word, so I knew that I did not want to go in that book called Job because my dad made me work a lot. Uh, I'm not kidding. I read Palms like they were no tomorrow. I didn't know they were Psalms. I had no idea. So you got to understand, I'm coming into it not having a Christian background, not knowing it was Job, not knowing it was Psalms, not knowing that the book of Accordance is where you found other books. So uh, when I came to Christ, uh, it was fresh and it was new to me. And I pray that it for all of us, along, as long as we serve God, that it will be new. That we can come in and Christ will be new to us. It'll be fresh to us. Because it can get old and stale. I understand that. Sunday after Sunday, you know, you're here and you're here and you got your place in the pew and I got my place. Wendy's already established her place up there. But I'm saying, you know, we all have our place, but God help it to be fresh every morning. His mercy's new every day. So that Sunday night, I accepted Christ and I did not call Brenda. So I was a freshman in high school, so it's homeroom. She's in my homeroom. And there's about 40 of us in there, and that is about the whole school. But anyway, so uh, I come into homeroom, and I'm getting ready to sit down, and she goes, uh, she's in the back. And she said, why didn't you call me last night? And I went, I just drew a blank, and I just said the first thing that came to my mind, which in my regard might not be a very good thing. Uh, because this happens many times before this happens. So I said, I, I went to this church and I accepted uh, Jesus. And as loud as she could, she said, you mean you're a Jesus freak? And I went, oh, God, I didn't. I just everybody in the room looked at me. And believe me, Bill Snyder was not the Jesus guy before that. So they went. My name was Bags because I was heavy and I wore baggy pants. Long story. But anyway, they said, Bags, you're a Jesus guy. And I went, I, I don't know, am I? So I had no choice but to follow Jesus from day one. I was baptized. And, you know, I think about 
when people insult us. So we're in other classes that very day. And a teacher makes a statement and he said, it was, it, we just were going through history for some reason. And we were talking about history and, and Christians. For some reason, God put me in a way that I just couldn't run. So this guy said, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you ask the preacher, Snyder? It's my first name except in Christ and I'm a preacher. The, net, the very next class, a guy stands up, Thompson. I'll talk about him in a minute. He's a real wonderful guy. But he stood up and said, Mr. Vinci, who always does, Mr. Vinci, you always do in our day, physical education and you're a coach. So you do physical education and a football coach. Physical education. Vinci taught history also, which is another thing that coaches did back then. It's not like today when you're in Texas and you're playing a football coach $300,000 a year to be a high school coach. This ain't that day. So, um, so Mr. Vinci, why don't you ask the righteous person in the class? And he's going, what are you talking about? Snyder gave Jesus a, a ride last night or something. I'm going, my first day. I didn't feel insulted. I felt like crawling into a hole. Uh, but I'm sure God gave me grace that day and knew where I was going in my life. And you know what you want to do? You want to stand up and say, I understand this because I box a little bit. Fighting is two things. Inflicting pain and receiving pain. So whoever usually inflicts more pain wins the fight unless you can really take a lot of shots. And that's not good for your head later on in life. Uh, so I wanted everything in me wanted to inflict pain. I wanted to stand up and say, shut up. And I, I've never raised my voice in my life. So that had been the first time. No, just kidding. Uh, but the challenge is Jesus says here, when that happens to you, be glad. Rejoice. That is not our initial response when people come after us for our Christ following. But it should be our response because we, we shouldn't defend ourselves regardless if we're called a coward or spineless. But the Bible says because it happens in my name, rejoice and be thankful. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been insulted for being a Christian? I'll go last first. I want to talk about the persecution part that Jesus talks about here. I read the latest statistic I could get were, for, uh, were from 22. Uh, they say that 13 to 14 people die every day. I'm sure there's more now, but 13 to people in, in 2022, 13 to 14 people were being beheaded or being slain for being a Christian around the world. We don't know that in America. You see, if you read the Bible, Jeremiah died away from home in Egypt. It says Amos was clubbed to death. We could talk about John the Baptist being beheaded. They say that Isaiah the prophet was sawed in half. So you've got to understand, Jesus also, when he says this, I can't prove it because I wasn't there and I'm, I'm not in his head. He's in my heart, but I'm not in his head. But I think he's preparing the church for maybe 40 or 50 years later when Nero starts coming. And Nero wraps Christians up in fresh animals, carcasses, and throws them in dogs and lion, eat them live to death while the blood's still on the animal. He sewed them up. So you've got to understand, Nero, that's when Rome was burned, and it's said in history that Nero blamed the Christians. I was reading a book uh, on, it just happened to be last night, I'm reading a book on crucifixion because I'm going to talk about that during Easter. But uh, 
a guy named Tacius, who was a journalist, a writer, a historian back in Nero's time, which is in Rome, said this. Christians, they were covered with wild beast skins and torched to death and torn to death by the dogs. Now, this is something else you don't know. Or they were fastened on crosses. And when daylight faded, they were burned to death as lamps to show people the way on the streets. So being a Christian then wasn't like being a Christian now. Uh, I, I thought about persecution, the great book, of course, many of you read it, it's Fox's book of Christian martyrs. If you want to read a great book about how Christian, it's a great book. Uh, but in this country, we don't, we don't go through a lot of persecution. Turn to Acts, the fifth chapter. You got your Bibles. So Peter and John, the healing, remember the, 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 the beggar that was healed. The beggar, the crippled beggar is healed and John, he goes out and tells everyone and, and God performs miracles and the early church is growing and the day of Pentecost has happened and God poured out his spirit and these people are rolling. Person after person is becoming saved and Jerusalem is a hotbed now for this new thing called Christianity. So John and James get called into the Sanhedrin again, which is the ruling body of the Jewish people. And... Uh, they just said, we're not, we're not going to disobey God. You know, we're going to obey God. And in Acts 540 says this. It says his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles. So they said, we just don't want you to talk about God anymore. And in verse 40, it says his pre- speech persuaded them. And they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Flogging is a process where you take a whip. Usually it has bones and metal in it and you'll just lay open a person's back. So this wasn't like they just went in and took a whip and went, okay, guys, you're good. They laid their backs open with blood. And uh, then they ordered them, don't speak in the name of Jesus and, you know, get out of here. Let them go. They let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Look what God did. Maybe we need a little persecution in this country. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Still the Messiah, amen? Still the Messiah. So what happens in the early church is this, and this is why it's, the dispersion in the early church. When they were persecuted, they scattered, except for the main apostles, they scattered. So God used this persecution as a way to scatter the church and spread the gospel over that known world. But in our country, I will say this to you. If it's not here, it's coming. I will say we are living in a day and age when we are on the cusp of if you call the name of Jesus your name, You are going to be, and we see some of that in the media. We see some of that from the outliers that try to press us. I will say this. I pray in Jesus name that the church is not silent, that the church rises up, that the church proclaims Jesus. And I'm not talking issues. I'm talking Jesus because issues don't save people's lives. Jesus does. Arguing about something doesn't save anybody's life. And I'm not saying to give in on on what we believe. But I'm saying this. We need to build bridges of love to people and they can walk over and see Jesus. The reason Jesus says rejoice is because 
we do that in his name. I, I would venture to say, I, I never ask any of you if you've ever been beaten for the name of Jesus. I, I don't know if you have, if you've ever been uh, flogged for the name of Jesus. We don't do that a lot in America. But I remember uh, the next week, <laughs> I'm telling you, I had no choice but to serve God or just back up. The next week, this is, I just can't tell you this. I'm not going to, his name was Thompson. He's just a renegade. We had a lot of guys in our school. You had two choices. You could be a renegade or just be a wallflower. And so I was with that group that was not the wallflowers. So I ran around, you know, just loved life and loved, I didn't know Christ. didn't know there was a Christ. So I did what everybody else did, and that wasn't good things. So I remember uh, those guys saying, you know, they were, they were over here, and I was over here eating by myself because now I'm a plague and nobody wants to eat with me. Uh, so I remember eating cafeteria, and I remember the guy saying, you know what I heard? Like real loud, Christians can't fight back. I'm going, this is not going to go good for me. Um, so I remember Gary Thompson, I walked over here and he grabbed me and went boom, right against the wall and said, okay, preacher, I'm going to beat the living death out of you. And he, he used wonderful words that I can't use in church. But anyway, so, and then I will never forget this. Jimmy Casper, just hilarious. He, he wouldn't know God if you threw him down. He just, he said all of a sudden, don't hit Snyder. God will strike you dead like that. And I, I thought, what in the world? Where'd that come from? And so he put me back like, you know, a bolt of lightning and said, I don't believe it and walked away. And I never forget that. I said, I went over to him. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I have no idea what I just said. Uh, and he did. He said, I have no idea what I just said. And it's amazing how uh, God and I want to say this, if you don't know Christ, if you allow him, he will take you through a wonderful journey. Jesus loves us. When I accepted him, I knew nothing about God. And it's a miracle. Here I am that my speech teacher, when I gave my first speech, when I was 15 years old, she took me aside and set me on the, on the chair. And she said, William, and I went, yes. She said, there's a rumor around school that you feel like you have a call on your life to be a preacher. And I said, I do. And she said, this is real encouragement. You might want to think about another profession. <laughs> How encouraging she was. I love Miss Smavak, but that, she was wrong that day. You hear that? Anyway, um, so I'm saying this to you. This passage is a tough passage because we aren't experiencing a lot of persecution in America. But I want you to know this. We need to rejoice if it happens in Jesus' name. Don't curse the people, but light a candle. Amen. Let God, and we'll talk about salt and light next week. I want to talk about slander for a minute, which means making a false statement about a person. How many times have you had uh, someone talk bad about you at work? Because you're a non-believer. It's happened to me several times. Um, I would say read James 1 and pray for wisdom. I would say many times there's a miscommunication. You know, more conflicts happen because of miscommunication than the conflict itself. Um, but I rejoice because it's not my own. So I worked at a, uh, I was doing uh, 
I worked one summer at a construction site outside of Nashville, Tennessee. They were building a nuclear power plant. And my dad got me the job. And I was so happy making ten twenty-two an hour. You're thinking, man, hey, in 1976, buddy, that's a lot of dough. Anyway, so I, I, I made more. I went back to college. We only had like, what, 300 in our graduating class. I made more than they thought. I bought a car and paid for my senior year with what I made that summer. Proof there is a God. Uh, so, I, you know, we were down and we're, we're, we're in the pit and it is deadly death hot in Nashville. We're working in the pit and I'm, I'm tying structural steel. I'm rod busting tying steel so they can pour cement. So I'm down on my back all day long. It's miserable. It's hot. And I got 14 guys in this crew and my dad told the foreman, which he should not have, yeah, my son, I'm really proud of him. He's going to Bible college. He's going to be a preacher. I went, Dad, if there's one thing you don't tell a construction crew, it's that. So all summer long, how you doing down there, preacher? You got it? Come over and three guys would get there and I'd be busting rods and they would tell the filthiest jokes you've ever heard in their life. Wait, why? Isn't that funny, preacher? I said, it's not really that funny, you know? But I was pretty strong. I grew up with a strong family. My dad's a construction worker, so I could take that stuff. So they would come in and they'd be hung over sometimes from work, which means they drank way too much the night before, if you need that language. So they were hurting, and I'd say, how's it going down there? You love Jesus? And I'd give them a hard time back, because, you know, I, I'd give them a hard time. They, uh, how's it going? You going to church with me this Sunday? Hey, you feeling good? And they are, their heads just, you know, it's going like that. Because I grew up with a lot of alcoholics. So I know the results of alcohol after a long night. So uh, I gave it back to them, and I'll never forget. I pray for every one of you. That at work, you thank God you're there and that you honor God with your life. And I'll talk about that because God will honor you. I'll never forget my last day at work. Uh, I remember Billy Washer. He's about this big. And God gave him all kinds of meanness in a little body. So he's the worst. And no front teeth and was proud of it. Bill? I said, yeah, Billy. He went, I want to shake your hand and I want to say... I think you'll make a good preacher. We're proud of you. And I went, I just went, I thought it was a joke. And every one of those guys lined up. It was like a greeting committee for a membership of a church. Or, you know, when I was installed, you know, they had the greeting people. Let's greet the new pastor. He might not be here for another week. No, I'm just kidding. But let's greet the new pastor. So they all, and I still can't, I still am thankful for that day. Because they all shook my hand and said, thank you. Uh, we gave you a hard time, but he said, I remember Jim, old codger. He said, I hate this because you, I got to go back to work. I got to go back to church with my wife. I said, it's not cause to be, you serve God. He said, well, I'm trying. So I remember them walking through that line. I remember going home and I, I, I had every one of those guys, name. I did this and I want you to do this. I had every one of those guys names that I, the first day I learned all their names the first week. On my mirror in my bathroom, my little apartment, and my dad got me that was terrible apartment. Running water, you had to jump around the shower. I tell you, that was a summer. But anyway, so I remember putting their names and taping their names on a mirror 
Every day I got in there and I mentioned every one of their names before God. You know what? God knows your unsaved friends' names. He knows how many hairs are on head. Start mentioning people before God. Start really praying for people that you want to accept Jesus. I remember mentioning every one of their names before God every day before work or when I came home. And I believe God honors. And these were men that were not kind to me. These are men that were rude. These are hardened. I mean, these aren't construction workers. For the, These are 30 and 40 year old men that have had a hard life. And I said, God, you can soften a heart. You can bring people who no one else thinks that you can bring. You can bring people to the cross. Because I'll tell you what, the cross is big enough for everybody. Now, everybody doesn't come, but it's big enough for everybody. I want to I want to talk about just for a minute does your life do your actions represent Christ you say I've never been slandered I've never been talked about I've never been pierced persecuted well you can say nothing be nothing and do nothing and drown in a bed of mediocrity your whole life ouch I'm not saying because people aren't talking about you're not serving God. But I'm saying there, God, there will times God will hem us in and we'll have to make a choice about our actions. Who do we represent about our speech? Is our language filled with God or is it filled with slang? Ooh, I'll quit there. Uh, jobs. Are you in a job where you can please God? Now, let me ask you this. I, there, have been, there have been jobs when we were, we were between ministries. I worked at a glass factory in Kansas City, Kansas. I worked the oven. So putting big loads of glass in the oven and it was the worst job in the world. And the guys there were terrible. And I thought to myself, I thought, God, you've placed me here for a reason. And I would, I just live my life and eat lunch with those guys. And they talked to me about what I was doing. And I would tell them never, let me say this, unless, unless you're in a compromising situation at work where it causes you to do non-Christian things. That's another story. If you're constantly having to lie, cheat, fudge on the account, fudge on the numbers, you don't need to be staying there. God will honor you somewhere else. God will supply. He's rich unto all those that call unto him. God will supply. Because I was in a, put in a situation where guys in the back, at night, I worked the, the 6 to 2 in the morning shift. Guys in the back were taking glass out of the back and selling it. And I went back and I saw them do that. And they said, listen, preacher, you better not say a thing. And I want you telling the wrong guy. So I went to the foreman the next day and he said, I know they've been doing it. He said, I'm just waiting for a good opportunity to get all of them back there. I said, well, you'd have to be blind not to know it. So I went about another week and half the crew was gone. Um, but I was put in a compromise. Sometimes at work you're put in a compromising situation. Let me say, you say, you, you don't understand. This is my job. This supplies the needs. This puts a riff over my family. I'm telling you what. I believe that God will supply for you if you honor him. I believe God will honor you with another job that even pays more. We've got a big God. He owns what? Cattle on a thousand hills? Come on. God can do this. Don't let yourself be put in a compromising situation where you're not able to serve God. But I'm saying this, if, you, if, if you're at work, I pray that God puts you in a place where you can please him. Don't ask God for another job if it's hard there with the people. Ask God to let you be a light that shines in darkness. Amen? Let's let God do that for us. 
I was, uh, I tell you, our, it's, it's not, I think the main thing, it's not what happens to you. It what happens in you and through you. So a lot of things happen to us. How are we letting what happens to us be a response? We need to respond correctly. And the only way I can respond correctly to some of the situations, I was young in a lot of those situations and young in Christ. The only way I could respond correctly was the Holy Spirit working through me because that was it. I want to do something this morning. Would you uh, bow your heads, please? I don't ask for this all the time, but I'm going to ask you this morning. Um, If you're here this morning and you're not near God and you say to me, I know I need to get right with God this morning. I want you to lift your head and look at me. I need to get right with God this morning. I'm not going to call you out. I need to get right with God this morning. All hearts clear. That's good. That's good news. Uh, The second thing is, you can raise your heads now. The second thing is, I want you to, uh, if anyone is sick, I'd like you to come up front this morning. I'd like to pray for you. I want you to stand in for Liz for sure. Okay, would you do that, Wendy? Or know of someone that's sick. Uh, someone needs to come pray for, stand in for Millie. Can we do that? She's been home a lot. Would someone come stand in for her? Just stand up here and represent her in prayer. Uh, thank you, Tommy. Thank you very much. Here's the thing, and I'll say this to you, and you'll, you'll say, you've said it before, and I'll say it a lot. I've been in a lot of great churches. I really have. I've been in a lot of somewhat churches. Probably the division for me isn't the preacher or the worship team. I've been in a lot of great services like that. The difference is that the church love each other. Right there's love. I'll stand in for Glenda. You know how she knew that? Because she knows Glenda, and our church knows each other, and she knows Glenda's sick, and she cares enough. That's this church. That's why I love being here, because you care for each other. And you work pretty good on work day. Thank God, yesterday. Okay, I like that. So anyway, uh, but uh, anyone else? Uh, Would uh, Faye and uh, Rudy, Lisa, uh, and Brendan come up? I want you to represent them in prayer. Okay, just come up. Would you guys do that? Pray. Just I want I want each of you. Brendan, come up and represent her in prayer. Would you do that? Come on. Pray for her. Lisa, Tommy, pray for her. I don't know if you know this. In James, the fifth chapter, the Bible says, Is any among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is any happy? Let him sing songs. We certainly did that this morning. Is any among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. At least I'm not saying you're an elder or old, so don't go there today, okay? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And it doesn't stop there. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. And if they have any sins, they will be forgiven him. Let me say this to you on your way out. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has much affection, has much effect. Praying for Liz, Tommy, thank you. Praying for Glenda. Let's pray, folks. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, you're a healer. And I thank you that in the pew, we're well. 
So we extend our hand, God, and say, in Jesus' name, do your healing. Do your work. We're being biblical this morning, God, because if we had cancer, we'd want someone to pray. If we were sick, we'd want someone to pray. If it was our granddaughter that had leukemia, we'd really pray. So, God, this morning, I pray like it's my daughter and is my daughter who lives. And I pray for Glenda and I pray for Millie. Raise them up, God, because the Bible says the prayer offered in faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. God, do your work this morning. Do something we can't do. Please, Lord, I betray you, I beseech you, and I beg you, and I thank you, Lord. I'm a helpless beggar. I am poor in spirit, and I say, God, do your work, do your healing your way, and may we hear reports of your miracle, God. You're the miracle worker, Jesus. You do the work. This morning, you do the work your way, and I thank you for it, God, that you're here to hear us, answer us. And we love you, Lord. And thank you. We can leave here with clear hearts and clear minds. Give us a good day, God. May if anyone insults us or says evil about us for the name of Jesus, may we rejoice knowing that it's been for you. In Jesus' name and God's people said amen. Have the best Sunday of your life. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.